The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Coffee trucks are the real deal. That's what I said. Where can you find a coffee truck these days? Yeah. I know. What's um, Maybe I know Minotti's has a uh, coffee truck sort of deal. It's more like a coffee sprinter van, though. Sprinter van, huh? Isn't that what it is? Hashtag van life? Hashtag van life. Hashtag... Hashtag blessed. New me. New me. Hashtag too blessed to be stressed. What, who are all those guys from Seattle? Whoa, oh, Chuck's here. That voice? Oh, Who's that guy? Oh, my gosh. What's Pizza happening? Meets. Uh-oh. Oh. Chuck is in the building. Surprise. The Chuck is in the building. Surprise. What, who are the guys from uh, Seattle that worked at Victrola and now they got the truck? truck Charles uh, Babinski and Kyle Glanville. <laughs> 100%, 100% that's them. <laughs> you're talking about uh, our friends. Um, oh, the new Victrola. Yeah, you're talking about, um, yeah, yeah. yep, the Volvo situation. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're talking about Jay. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Jay. Yeah. My friend. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that that is like a different level Van of life. automobile. Yeah, that's a custom. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's a custom relationship that you build over time with Volvo. Yeah, Jared, you're working on that, right? Totally, man. Me Jared, and Volvo. Are they're like, a Volvo family, yeah, dude. Yeah. I have, I'm a Specialized Volvo auto. I'm a VW guy, too, you know? I don't know. You're a VW? Oh, yeah, the Jetta is nice. <laughs> it's a laser. I uh, might stick with some VW, you know? I'm TDI really happy. Dude, I swear, and this is just nuts. I was like, man, if I bought just like a... If I had money and I was going to buy a car that was just like around town. You car, yeah. Like, you're like golf all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a, a little golf R, a little golf hatchback. They're quick. Still waiting for you to get the, like the auto? Miata. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to get an 86 Corolla, but the prices are just out of control. It is just ridiculous. So many Corollas. And I'm just like, come on. I have all these questions from last week. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'd be great. So Charles is here because we forced him to be here because we... <laughs> yeah. Baka locked the door. We, had, we attacked I'm him. Unable to... You'll uh, learn martial arts. Escape. What, what are those places where you, like, you go into room? the room? Yeah, escape room. We should do one of those. There's one downtown. <laughs> I'm in the escape room. I heard it's like kind of, it's a mediocre escape room. Yeah, Santa Cruz escape room. I also feel like my life is like an escape room. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't figured out a way to get out yet. We're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're setting the stage. What's new with you, Jer? What's new with me? Yeah. Let's make uh, it personal. My, my Oh, personal. Not like with oh, work. It could be whatever. I just What's new with Jer? Okay, I was here's, just curious. Here's what's new with Jer. There's a lot of great stuff happening with Jer. 
uh, were, yes, paying down credit card debt. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, I used the 70-pound kettlebell in an exercise, and I did 90, pound, 90 swings with it, and I was very proud of myself that I could even do that. That's very heavy. Hurt. Uh, I'm going to both Melbourne and Sydney. Melbourne. Melbourne, Sydney in October, and I'm very excited to speak at t- an event at each place, and I'm bringing Tanner with me. Very excited about that. Uh, my fam is on our standard trip to Disneyland in December. And uh, so anybody wants to overlap and say, hey, get ready for that. And now they got those wages up. And so. now they got the wages up. <laughs> so I'm starting to feel real good about that, actually. And it I'm only totally took us down. talking so much shit about yeah. you. Thanks to our podcast, we saved Disney. <laughs> we did it. You can write us fan mail, yeah. send it to the cafe. Uh, and th- th- that's a quick sum up, aside from me being exceptionally proud with where um, the leadership team has stepped into their places. And this transition has been really seamless. And uh, I think we're catching a hot pocket, which I think is... Happening across our whole company. Don't you feel Again. like we're rolling? I do feel like it's I kind of feel rolling. like we're rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're. Quick I feel like we're rolling hard. How about you, Chris? Um, What's new with you? I've obviously got books and stuff. Always self learning. Always growing. Always self learning. You too? Saw the "Won't You Be My Neighbor" Mr. Rogers documentary. Oh man, last night and was super intense, super phenomenal. When it comes out, everybody watch it. I will. I was fighting back tears multiple times in the theater and broke down crying in the car afterwards. I was going to say, I yeah. couldn't even drive myself yeah. home. That's uh, actually a common thing I've, theme I've heard about. It was nuts. Yeah. It was so intense. And part of it is obviously the connection to childhood. I grew up watching this guy. Right. And part of it, I was like blown away that someone could have such a good heart and have there be no sketchiness involved yeah. in it. And it's just like true blue. And... Okay, mine, there's a couple of mind melters. I don't want to talk about them all because I want people to experience this, but I watched this show like my whole youth, but I had no idea how deep it was and how much he was playing at like really intense social situations. Uh, yeah. I heard about a few of those. Yeah, so there was one scene in the documentary where there was this huge uprising like pre or during civil rights movement where like, Blacks and whites are sharing swimming pools together, and white people are really pissed off about it. And they're like, they need their own fucking pools. And they were cutting the clips. So <laughs> we're like, there are people in swimming pools at hotels, and a bunch of white people just run up and start fucking dumping chemicals Dude, like so into up. the pool where people are swimming. And it's just like nuts. Ugh. And it's, like, so much gnarly hate because there's, like, black people in the pool. But there's also white people in the pool, too. It's just, like, it's nut. I was, like, that was just disgusting or whatever. So that was something that was going on. And then he'd do these really things. And I remember seeing some of these scenes. He's, like, sitting out in his backyard or out on his front porch. And he's got this little tiny pool. And he's, like, washing his feet off in the pool. Yeah. And the police officer in the neighborhood, who's a black dude, comes over. He's, like, oh, what are you doing? He's, like, oh, I'm just, like... I'm just like washing my feet off in the pool, like soaking my feet. It feels really good. He's like, sit down, come on, like have a soak. And yeah. like they both take their shoes off, and then the camera just cuts to like tied up, like white feet, black feet in the pool yeah. together. It right. just stays there. And I remember seeing that as a kid, but I had no idea what like He's the social references yeah. were. Right. Yeah. And in context, like that, that's why I really love the documentary because it it's it puts like the whole thing into context. And there's you know, he talks about like he talks about really crazy shit, like really openly. Like yeah. they did things on like the JFK assassination, like when the Challenger exploded, like all kinds of weird stuff. I don't know. It was 
It was nuts, dude. Now everybody yeah. wants to go back and rewatch all the old Mr. Rogers neighborhoods. It was heavy, and he was really interesting in communicating to where he would just go like right to the point. Like there was this dude that came over, this little kid in a wheelchair who was about to have like some crazy spinal fusion, and he's just can't walk and barely move his arms and he can talk and instead of having it be a thing like oh like here's this kid and he's sad or whatever he introduces himself they start talking and then he goes right for it he's like hey can you tell all of my friends here how you got in this wheelchair like nice like how does this you know how does this work what's the deal and it's cool because it's it's like attacking those things that most people would avoid because yeah. like mm-hmm. oh I want to I you know I want to be polite or I don't want to be rude but he's just having that conversation yeah and because kids I mean kids are curious and mm-hmm. kids want to ask those questions so he's kind of giving them like a good uh, like structure idea way to like ask those kinds of questions and, yeah they're gonna ask them anyway right and he's allowing like that person to share their story which is cool and almost in some way normalizing that to where it's like oh this isn't like some kid in a wheelchair who's different than me that can't walk like now i i get it yeah but they don't know they're he's like yeah when i was seven months old something happened in my spine and my nerves stopped talking to my legs and my arms <laughs> and yeah geez. Oh, it's real yeah but i i just like love that like i don't know he was just he was just him it was him. He was doing, I want to see it so bad. He's doing his thing. Yeah. I, anyway. He's a kindred storyteller like yourself. Dude, he mm. was, he's like on the fucking, he was like on the level. And then they even, they even had a part of the documentary, which was this like post Mr. Rogers era where people are just basically talking shit in the, almost in the same way that people plug like millennials now to where it's like, you can blame Mr. Rogers for everybody being lazy because he told everyone that they were special and like, they don't have to work for everything and they don't have to do this. And he wasn't doing the show anymore, but he explained what he meant, which is like, it's not about not having to earn something or it's not about not working hard because it like everything that I'm doing is hard and everything that, you know, you need to go through life is hard, but it's, it's about accepting people as human beings, like as they are, as just like a basic human right. And the idea that you don't have to do anything sensational for people to love you and for you to have right. value as like yeah. a human. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool. Need and to like, have more of that, especially juxtaposing it. They juxtaposed it a lot against television of the day, which was like you know, just weird sensationalism stuff like, oh, I'm throwing pies at your face or, oh, this is like death and destruction and shit that gets people real riled up. And he's just like, well, maybe there's a place for something that has substance and caring yeah. and is not all about getting a reaction, but teach. I don't know. It freaking it blew my mind. dude. It was nuts. Yeah, it was and I, I, of course, saw it at the Nick. So it's like this nice Double little whammy. indie theater. Mm-hmm. It feels like hella cool. <laughs> Old school. Yeah. What about you, Chuckers? Um, yeah, what have I been up to? I just got back from visiting my family. We surprised my mom in the Midwest for her 70th birthday. Oklahoma? Yep, Oklahoma. Um, yeah, we took my daughter, Phoenix, and my sister and her three kids came up, and my brother and his Your daughter son. has three kids? My sister, oh, no. her three kids. <laughs> She's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> older than she looks. She's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my sister and her three kids and my brother and his son. And, yeah, got to all hang out and surprise my mom. She was super stoked. 
Dude, we, the crazy thing was we drove, and um, dude, on the way back, we saw the gnarliest car wreck right in front of us, where this guy hit. Oh, uh, like you see it happen in real it time? It was literally Ooh. right in front of us oh, on the God. highway. They'd like funneled everybody into one lane, and the car in front of me, us was being really um, erratic and like stopping and then speeding. Methy. And it, yeah, and it's something. And so he sped up and hit this RV in front of him off to the right, like flipped the car twice, and then it landed on its wheels. We pulled over. What the fuck? Yeah, it was insane. It was like <laughs> watching TV in like a really like surreal movie. way. And so we pulled over. And, like, three or four of the cars behind us pulled over. And there was, like, debris all over the road. And we, like, ran up to the car. I was, like, the second person there. The first, the whole part of the engine was, uh, like, burnt out and it was smoking. And this woman's like, don't go to the car. It's going to blow up. And this first guy came up and, like, pulled open the door and was like, dude, can you get out? And the guy's like, no, I can't get out. Like, help me. And all the, the whole car had airbags, which for sure saved this guy's life. Like, side airbags, front airbags. And the first guy that was up there in front of me pulled him out of the car. His hand was, like, super bleeding and stuff like that. But other than that, he was, he was like, walking and okay. Wow. We, like, grabbed a pillowcase from our car and, like, wrapped up his hand. But he was just being super erratic, like, wouldn't really take anybody's help. Like, the car was smoking. Like, everybody was, like, thinking the engine might blow up or something. And so we were kind of like getting back. And this guy was just, like going back into his car to get, like, a laptop and, like, opening up his trunk to, like, like get nonchalant or what? Yeah. There's all these people, like, on the side of the road, like, freaking debris everywhere. And, and he's just, like, yeah. I, I so don't you're know. tripping and he doesn't he give was, a fuck. He's yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Like, Interesting. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm glad everybody was all right. And, yeah, but Drugs that was... Drugs are bad. One quick Instagram live later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Charles has yeah. got himself a story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I totally like, the accident, actually. I I'm totally not the person that like, has their phone out no. for that. Holy but yeah, that smokes. was I was insane, and um, yeah, my my wife takes all that stuff like that stuff affects her really. She was like hyperventilating for like the next. You know, it's scary. Thirty minutes. To see that stuff in person. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was crazy, but it was cool to see all the people that like immediately pulled over and ran to help and like pulled this guy out of the car and. Yeah, we were at the skate park the other day, and I was um, standing up on one of the banks, and this car—I just hear this like, and I look over because you can see the freeway from that one, the Capitola Park over there. Yeah, and there's like a car coming down, like perpendicular to the freeway, sliding with a truck like pushing right behind it. The truck jumps on the median, and it's like fucking basically grinding the median. It's like, I was like. Whoa! And then he'll flip. It was, yeah, <laughs> some dudes all. He just Smith grinded the media. <laughs> Smith grinded. The but then this dude who was skating there, who is not even really a skateboarder, he's like a dad that has a skateboard. But he's a, a customer. Like you totally know him. I don't even know his name. Yeah. But him and his friend just like book out of the park, and they like run to the car. And then I see him like running across the street and jumping the fence to the freeway and they got so like sick. fire extinguisher and like a first aid kit. Yeah, <laughs> it's so intense. So they were like going to get it. I was like, hell yeah, help them out. <laughs> Everyone was fine, but <laughs> yeah, that it was cool. Crazy. Yeah. People got energy. I was like, hell yeah. Accidents. Then I felt like a wuss. I was like, I don't have a first aid kit and a fire extinguisher ready to go help. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not prepared. <laughs> You're a different kind of prepared. <laughs> I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. I don't have 40 gallons of water in my trunk. G-A-I-C. <laughs> yeah, this guy is for sure like a ready for everything kind of yeah. dude, you uh-huh. know? He's like, oh, yeah, I can do it. 
hundred percent. You can lock me in a room all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that was yeah. That trip was awesome. Just to do some family time and things like that. And then back in uh, yeah, me and Jer had dinner with with. M- our girl Maria Cleveland in town. She's been a past guest. You can go back and listen to her. She's got an amazing story. Yeah. So it was really cool to connect with her. And we're going to see her again in a bit mm-hmm. here. And Her and Meg. Yeah. I mean, beyond that, it's uh, you know working with our team in the roastery, um, set up our lineup for the really rad coffees we're going to have this year. You. Lining um, it up. Yeah. Working for the two stores, right, that are in permitting right now. And kind right. of lining things up to get those moving as quickly as we can. Um, yeah, but right, that that and that and that. And then we're all planning our leadership offsite, which is in two weeks. Two weeks, which we t- you know we do this every we go out of town every other quarter, and uh, yeah, so we're headed out. We're headed out to the Napa Valley to hang out in a house off the grid, which is really exciting. Courtesy Chuck, courtesy of Chuck and Chuck's pals, and we're going to talk about the future and what goals we've hit and what goals we have and it's gonna be sick sick the sickest you excited to answer a couple questions if i throw them your way jer uh yeah man let's do it maybe there's a are they specifically for jer no no no. there's But i am i feel like this one is specifically for you because you're the master of retail Mm, guys these are questions from the internet from the other week that you flatter me we never answered (laughs) but now they are uh so nicholas cjt wants to know in a cafe environment would you offer two sizes for drinks or only one? With acceptance for flat whites, of course. Two sizes of drink for one. Oh, so quick question back to you. Why does the flat white get a different size when everything else doesn't? That's just something I'd think off the top because that's two different sizes right. to I think begin what, with. I think what he's saying is if you have two different sizes, maybe the flat white's only one size. Ah, that would I, make sense. I guess. That's a good way to look that's at it. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because I'm such a literalist when I read what people say, I'm like... Takes me a second. Uh, I would definitely offer two sizes. Two uh, sizes. Well, so for, did he say for in-house? Uh, no, he just says cafe environment in yeah. general. So, like, yeah. so what we do is we serve one size for in-house, and that's for ease. And it's kind of nice. But the to-go option, we offer two different sizes. And the reason is that some people want to drink coffee over time. And a lot of us, if you're me, you get through your coffee pretty quick if it's short. So... We and also America and the culture, they want that. So and we actually started offering one size. And it was definitely for a, a fail. lot of things, yeah. Yeah. So at first we were in the in the camp of we're gonna offer twelve ounce everything because that's what we like. And while a great majority of the coffee well, okay, eight and then the proper size for cappuccinos and flat yeah. whites, right? Just like we said. The grand majority of coffee geeks loved it. And then the ninety percent of our clientele who are normal human beings actually started complaining about it after a time. They and want yeah. more. They want, they want more. to live moss. Yeah. yeah. So the simple answer is I would offer more options and you know, I would I would hold tight to your to the grounds that you stand on. <laughs> Coffee joke. Coffee grounds. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> I, would, He's I, would, today. I would find small <laughs> places to take your stands and I would not take them in a place where the majority of the people who come into your cafe would have the opportunity to be negatively affected by it in any way, shape, or form. Or and I think you're, ta- experience. you're tapping into something even deeper, which is listen to your market. Listen to your heart. And you can have your artistic voice in other ways and still like make your guests happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll just throw like the business hat on too. It's like there's a reason why Starbucks offers 
so many sizes of everything, right? It's like you're going to make more money selling somebody a 16-ounce drink than you are like an 8-ounce drink or a 12-ounce drink. And that's that's why they do it. And we're not here to like be Starbucks, but it's, right. there's, a, there's a science behind a lot of the things they do. Well, I, and that's, I mean, that's why they do it. Interestingly enough, I was listening to someone talk uh, yesterday. She does music and scores for, she does a lot of commercials. So she's in commercial work for McDonald's or Nike or all these things. So she composes music for this. And her, um, I don't know, her journey through music was, she was in a band and then she was a singer and she really wanted to get a record label signed. Like she wanted to have a deal and she started dabbling in this. And when she first did it, she was just like, I don't care about what other people want. All I want to do is what I want to do because that's what makes me happy. And she said, if you're an artist, that's actually a terrible thing to do. (laughs) If you want to make a living doing it, you need to care about what other people want. You need to want to make other people happy. And one of the biggest challenges is finding a way to still have your artistic expression yep. and be able to make other people happy. And it's a myth that you can't do both. That's you totally spot. can. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would say, let's be clear. We are in business to provide opportunity, not only for ourselves, but for others. And yeah. so if we are not taking every opportunity to make as much money as possible, we're actually doing a disservice to everybody who works for us as well. And we need to be able to provide that. A hundred percent. So you can't, you can't just assume that like making more money. Well, first of all, making more money in all cases is not bad. You just got to like get your relationship with money right and realize that what you're using it for. And at least in our context is for a a greater good. If you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to boss it, like the, the Carters, have you heard of Jay-Z, you know, I've heard of that guy. He said it, but yeah, if everybody else is uh, poor except for you, then you're using your money wrong. Yeah. Chuck. Oh, uh Yes. Really broad Sir. question. You can attack this from whatever what whatever angle you want. My favorite color. The upside um, down. Yellow. Jesse MG one one two eight wants to know. Best advice for starting a business. <laughs> just start at the top, Chuck. I feel like <laughs> just start at the top. I feel like this is a time where you could take one Chuck nugget and just you know make it work because there's oh, a there's, there's a million different things going Chuck on here. Nugget. Best advice for starting a business. I mean, you could start with something easy, like like I've met a lot of people who want to start a business that they know nothing about, and I think that's going to be harder than starting a business with something that you know something about. And if you want to start a business in an area that, you know, you think you're really passionate about, but you don't know a lot in, so many people, I think, just want to, like, jump in and do it. But I think there's a lot of value in actually taking the time, like, get a job in that industry, understand what it's really going to take. And also, I think another thing that's kind of like a parallel to that is understand what part of the business you're going to want to do and what what things you're good at and what you're going to want to do because a lot of people, even people I've talked to who are like, I want to open a cafe. Okay, cool. But it's like, do you want to work bar every day for like a year or two years? Like while you're getting it set up? Well, no, I just kind of want to like oversee it. Okay, cool. Then you're going to need a manager. And then what are you going to do? And just like having those kinds of conversations with yourself to understand you know, how much do you know about what you're getting into and then thinking about what your role within the business is going to be and who you're going to need to hire and bring up to surround yourself with to make it 
hopefully a successful business. That is a magical knowledge <laughs> drop right there, dude. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> those are those are really good points, especially the thinking about what you want to do. Because I think that's a reality, like this weird shocker for most people to where, oh, I just want to be like the cafe owner guy. Yeah. I just want to kind of hang around. I just like a coffee shop. It's cool to have one. I just want to be here. You know what else I'd like? A McLaren F1. <laughs> That'd be nice, too. <laughs> and my season passes to Disneyland back. But, you know, you got to earn that stuff. <laughs> this one is for all of us. Then from, you get to start because you haven't done one yet. From a local <laughs> chemist. Um, how to be a great cafe owner that people want to work for. How to be a great cafe owner that people want to work for. This is something that I'm working on pretty much every day. And to be honest, yeah. when we started this, I thought I knew, but I really had no idea. Right. Um, I would start with some sort of empathy. Yeah. Everybody knows yeah. what it feels like to be an employee, and everybody knows what it feels like to be an employee for someone who doesn't care about you, for someone who doesn't put you first, for someone who's like... You're an afterthought to them and you're not a focus. And as a boss, as an owner, as a manager, as anybody in any kind of leadership position, your job is to take care of other people and not in some hippy dippy way to where it's like, oh man, just let me make sure that you're good. That's part of it, but part of it is stretching your people, part of it is challenging your people, communicating with your people, right. and just putting their well-being first and foremost. So if you've had a really crappy work experience, think about that and then do the exact opposite of <laughs> yeah. everything that made you feel <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. And that's where you can get your jump from. And I think that's where I kind of started. It was like, okay, I don't quite know what to do yet, but I definitely know what not to do. Right. And then every week, month, especially now, the last like six months, I feel like I've learned so much in that mm -hmm. regard. And I don't know if that's, how you say we're in like a hot pocket and we've been growing enough to where I've been getting to work more deeply with a more intimate group of people, which I really, really enjoy and right. seeing those people just kind of blossom into something and being able to identify what makes people go like want to go above and beyond move forward. Yeah. yeah. I'd say care, which is actually one of our values, but show them that you care about them is a huge part of it. And then, this is the part where you have to be honest and real, but you have to show them that there's a future for them yeah, here. It's true. And they have to be able to see and actually be able to know that they're growing throughout the process. So if you provide people with the opportunity to say, some people need the boxes checked. They need to be able to say, like, I checked this box. I'm at this point. I checked this box. I'm at this point. I'm growing. I know I'm doing well. And then you have to follow that up with a lot of communication. And so, yeah, you help them feel safe and cared for. And then you communicate what we're doing and give them a clear picture of the future. I mean, those are really major things. And then let that accountability be on both parties now so that people can actually feel good about growing and let them know when they are. <laughs> Reaffirm that stuff. But yeah, agreed. I mean, that, I think if you were to just break it down, even just doing those three things and actually having a plan that is tangible is a vast, is like a huge majority of it, making people want to work for you. And you have to believe in what you're doing yeah. in the sense yeah. that people can smell a faker. You right. know what I mean? If someone yeah. actually doesn't care, but they come into the cafe and put on the face and talk to you, but there's this weird like air of, 
I don't know. I think Chuck actually might be a dick, but he's like really <laughs> friendly to me. Or right. Whatever. <laughs> People can tell, you yeah. know what I mean? And they're not going to they're not going to respond to that. And if people do believe in you, you can actually be yourself even if that's not like a fluffy like super ch- you know what I mean? People right. have different personalities and I I don't know. It's just Yeah. Don't. Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of piggyback on that. Like, I'm reading this book that I like right now called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And it's written by this guy, Ben Horowitz, who has kind of been part of, like, the tech community since, like, you know, the 90s and through the, you know, internet bubble, early 2000s and all that. And talks about how he deals with, like, really hard situations within a company that nobody really teaches you how to deal with. And one of the things that I like that he talks about is, like, he talks about, like, why you know, asking yourself, like, why do you get up in the morning and go to work, right? And for him, he wanted to create a good company. And it's like, while that sounds kind of vague, it's like a company that has a good product where people like coming to work, where they do a good job. And it's like, if you, like, you should want to wake up every morning and go to work and create a good company. Right, and I kind of think about it in that aspect, and then all the things that you guys talked about are like, like how you do that. Right. You know, and so yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the base level is like, if you're waking up and you can't like answer that question and you don't understand why you're going to work every day and doing everything you do and working super hard and, um, you know, putting in all this time and energy, like that's got to be like the basis for why you do what you do. Right. There is an elephant in the room that does work, and you. I think we've all experienced this, is the element of working super well and hard out of fear. And so what that can mean is a, there's a number of different ways that could mean. That could mean that somebody is very honest with you and is like, if we don't do all this stuff, our company goes out of business. And so you're like crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Or there's the whole idea of like this, maybe the unhealthy um, competition where it's like, only the one person, there's one option and there's one winner and it's going to be whoever does the best. And so everybody's just like, but it, you can get a lot of results out of fear-driven leadership, but it, more fizzle, it fizzles out. Though. It yeah. always fizzles out. And so be aware of the places where you realize that you're operating maybe under that that guys because what will happen is you'll find yourself burned out and so, yeah. so will the leadership. So I'm just trying to call that out because it's, it's a reality. Like there will be companies... They get a lot done, but you'll also notice that there's either turnover or there's a discontentment between the team members that is underlying everything else that happens. And that's usually probably from companies that run kind of a fear-based approach. Yeah. Yeah. Simon Sinek had this whole thing where he talked about that approach and building companies for short-term gain rather than long-term successes. And it's revolving around some of the same ideas. Like, sure, you can turn like shit fuck tons of money, maybe real quick or like, get people to do a lot of stuff in a really short amount of time, but they're going to, they're not going to be hanging around yeah, for that's a long not time. Be a place where you're growing, like bringing people in, growing them, helping them in their career, teaching them. They're staying around for five or 10 years. And, and that's not going to create a culture where people love to go to work there. Yeah. No one's going to feel safe ever. Yeah. If you want to go fast, go alone. Okay guys. But if you want to go far, <laughs> go together, <laughs> go together. Good talk. Juan loves coffee asks, how to communicate with coworkers? Question, question, question. And address issues in performance. So you probably have more insight than I do oh, on the yeah. coworkers one. But as far as issues in performance, one thing 
that's been a game changer for me in managing people and being a boss is that you cannot shy away from addressing issues in performance, especially if they relate to the values that yeah. your company mm-hmm. has. You need to address those head on and you don't need to address them in like um, an aggressive or angered kind of way, but seen situations in the past where someone does something that people don't like and no one really wants to talk to that person. So they just kind of let it slide. They don't document it. They don't have the hard convo and then it happens again. And then they're like, ah, I feel really uncomfortable. I don't want to say anything. And it's like, I don't know. They're kind of like a, they're good in most of these other ways. So we'll just let it go. And then that taken over time, you know, a couple months down the line, you have someone that you work with, which you don't like at all who you have really bad feelings about, you start to resent them. And then having talks about, okay, maybe we should get this person out of here. Maybe it doesn't fit. Then it's like, did anybody talk to this person? Did anybody log these issues in performance? Does this person even know that they're missing the mark? So if you're not even giving someone the opportunity to fix something that they've done wrong, that's like a hard fail. And having those conversations isn't always easy, but it's always necessary. I will say setting up a structure in which it feels like the communication can be understood is super important. So we have our mission, vision, and values system, which is super helpful in this context because everybody knows at a base level what is expected from them and like what we value as a company. So when we do have issues in performance, we can say like, hey, this happened here this relates to this value and we're not, we're not meeting the mark here. Mm-hmm. What can we do to fix it? And they understand it and more yeah. than understand it, they welcome it because we've been like the people we have right now, no shit. I've like been so impressed with how well they want to do right. Yeah. That feedback is like the most welcome thing. I made this whole list of stuff when Carol and I started working together and like first two weeks in, I'm like, cool, let's have like a two week recap. And we right. did it in the meeting with all of us. And I gave her like this whole list of things that we could improve upon and like a plan to get through it. And Alex immediately came up to me. He's like, I want that. Do that for me. Like, where's mine? (laughs) And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you've been doing so well. And like, we have talks all the time. And he's like, no, no, I appreciate that. I want to know more. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And he's coming to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, so I'll just hop in real quick because I know Gerald go longer. I'll just like hop on the back of that and say, yeah, the values structure mm-hmm. is super important. And then it's just it's just people people are going to make mistakes, right? And you're going to need to have these conversations with people. And people are just very like very different, and people come from different places and and come from different experiences. And when you put all these people together, there there's potentially going to be issues that come up in communication and other things. And so yeah, to like the values is super important. And then just explaining why, even like within the context of values, and then just explaining why things, if it's a performance issue, you know, really going deep on why we expect certain things from people and how it relates to the whole business. And like bring them in, because yeah, like you said, Baka, like people want to know and they want feedback. And the more they can understand from your point of view, whether it's v- values or vision or performance related, understand the whys of the business, they're going to be more receptible. More, yeah. Receptible? Is that a You just made a new word. <laughs> receptible. It's a mix. <laughs> I'm receptible. More receptive. receptive and capable. <laughs> receptible. More receptive to, um, yeah, to that feedback. Right. So, yeah, you always start with the values. It's epic. It takes the personal 
the feeling of it being personal off the table as much as possible. And then you have like your standard job performance stuff. What I'm really, uh, I'm proud of Kristen. She's put together a communication class for people to be able to work on peer-to-peer communication. And I think the biggest key is to be able to have a company first and foremost where you have the base that we have, but to be able to allow people to feel okay with being direct. And for so sure. Yeah. That is a key. So we have actually, I'll just take you through it because there's five steps to being able to be correct, to be direct. <laughs> correct. correct. One way to be correct, five <laughs> ways to be direct. Uh, and what you'll do, and this is for somebody who's working with you. So it's just ob- observing what happens in the context of what should be happening. So simple things like I've noticed that you oftentimes miss greeting guests and you avoid kind of getting to the register. Not kind of. You're not supposed to use kind of at all. So that's me making a mistake. Kind of. I've, I've noticed that you, <laughs> you avoid <definitely>. register interaction <laughs> and you would rather be on dishes. And I'd like to know what your mindset is there because I experience a lot of extra stress feeling like I need to get to the register for you. And it's part of the job that we all have to do. And in the context of what's happening right now, it's, it's your job to get there, not mine. So I really need you to get there because I need to focus on getting these drinks out at this appropriate pace that we have and being great at customer service. So is there anything I can do to help you with that? And it's just what I just did is took you through. It's like the observe, ask the question, express how it's affecting you, express a direct future need, and then ask how you can help. And then, you know, it's as simple as that. And it's like what we, what we expect here is this, and everybody's doing this together. So it's a teamwork thing. And so... You I just like get through it. Yeah. I like the idea of leading and finishing with a question. Right. And I think leading with a question specifically is, could be so good in so many different kinds of communication. Right. Specifically kind of the stuff that we talked about on the last podcast where these like challenging social situations and mm-hmm. leading with a question is going to be way easier than being like, you're a dick. Totally. <laughs> and you, yeah. And you just have to wait for the appropriate time sometimes, but like. Anyway, yeah, I mean, and I'm, I was really proud to just walk through that with my little retail leadership team and to practice that and to notice how many of us are sometimes overly nice in that it's like, you sort of, kind of, and instead of just being like, here's what happened, and here's how it worked, and here's how it affected me, and that's not how we do it, so can I help you get there because we can be the better, you know, yeah. in the most quick way of saying that. I love it, and yeah. I love... Especially once you establish that as the norm, then people people understand it and no one takes offense to it. And they even expect it. They expect it, especially when you have, which we do, people who really want to be high performers and they're, right. they're trying to take it to the next level all the time anyway. It's so much better than the fucking bullshit, like compliment sandwich thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, you do really good at this. I think maybe you could maybe do this maybe better. And I like, like you as a person. Yeah, like, we already like, like you as a person. Okay, cool. <laughs> it doesn't reflect on you as a person. <laughs> what You're the hell here. Are you talk- yeah. And then people are like, well, what, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a bad job? Yeah. Is it kind of okay or kind of not? It's yep. like so ambiguous and not helpful. Yeah. yeah. So that's our, our current goal is to get help everybody to become more direct and to feel okay with that. Because I actually think our culture doesn't ask us all to be as direct as we'd like to be. So. Well, no. Why Nobody would you wants wanna, to. Why would you want to talk to somebody, man? Not That's like hard. That. Yeah, you just text them. <laughs> Jeez. I yeah. mean, I don't want to talk. If to you it. can text them a hundred times, then you don't have to talk to them, and you can get your point across. And you can get it across perfectly. You don't even have stumbling to on your words. Yeah, maybe. that's actually I feel like a big thing, and even something that we kind of reiterate with our team is just 
when there's different avenues of communication, like what avenue to take for what type of communication. Right. And we were talking the other day because we use Basecamp to kind of um, kind of facilitate communication yeah. among teams within our company. And, you know, just talking about the idea of like, you know, if you're writing an email that has bullet points or is like really longer than one paragraph or so and it's directed toward, you know, someone or a couple of people where you need some direct input from them, just pick up the phone and call them because you're going to get that communication done in a way more efficient manner than you are like sending that long enough email and waiting for other people to respond via email mm -hmm. and just the time it takes everyone to respond. It's just it's just not the best way to communicate those type of issues. And I feel like a lot of times people want to write an email or send a text, but I'd really love to like to reform people back through like just, I mean, pick up the phone and call people. Yeah. That's going to be the best way to communicate if you can't see them in person. You also have the opportunity to build a relationship that way and understand that person and that person's life and job a lot a lot better. Yeah. If right. you're working on a project together and you're in different departments and you have emails or pings going back and forth, one that are really long or two, there's too many, you kind of get annoyed because you're just like, I'm trying to do this. Why aren't they doing this for me? Mm -hmm. I just need this. I just need that. But if you got together and talked, you could, you could see, oh, cool, you're having this challenge. All right, I'm having this challenge. We can work together on this. Now I understand your position so much yeah. more. Mm -hmm. And it's huge. It's just huge. And then you can come out of a project feeling like you bonded with someone and not like, I fucking never want to work with Jared <laughs> again or whatever. Dude, this is part of the Reclaiming Conversation book that's huge. Is Technology has taught us to talk through like type and text. And it's made us all actually way more hyper-sensitive and also anxious about normal conversations because everybody expects perfection out of the typing and expects perfect delivery, 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 delivery. And then if you carry that anxiety into a conversation, you might fuck up in the conversation. You might not be as good as you sound and you might not be able to back up how you look on the internet with who you are in real life. So everybody's like, I need to avoid this at all costs. Or on the flip side, it's if you're having a conversation via text you don't even have to use words you can just throw out some emojis and you're never exactly. actually really yeah. thinking about how to express they what's on it. your mind it's they fine get it. you get it i don't know what to say smiley face t-rex <laughs> t-rex arms for sure dinosaur <laughs> that gets it across it's now so people real. won't think i'm bad or good i'm yeah. perfectly neutral all the time <laughs> i'm reliable to, i don't have to commit to anything it'll be fine yeah it's hard to commit to stuff but i think committing to that is Man, I mean, it's on my page, it's on my radar, and as is everything else, though. Are we committed to Lexi at 10 o'clock? Yep. Yeah, it's time to go. Well, this is an abrupt end to the podcast. <laughs> we love everybody out there. Treat your fellow human like you want to be treated, or maybe even better. Way better. Bye. Better. The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the Brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a Brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the Brewer next day like that is absolutely 
amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Called Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis.